Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. God loves us so much. For those that don't trust Christ, look at what happens. He says, I sent my son to the cross. He died a horrible, despicable, unnecessary death because he didn't do anything wrong. But he did it in your place to be your substitute. I gave you the opportunity, he's saying to you, to identify with him so you can have a changed life and go to heaven and all of that that's with it. I did that for you. I am so hurt that you choose to continue by your worldly world values and belief system to reject Christ. You're believing lies. For you, my son's death has been wasted. I'm hurt. I'm crushed. And there is that bit of wrath and anger. You kind of mix those things up. And you know what it's like to be hurt and angry at the same time, parents. You know what I'm talking about. But then he looks at you and me, that we're on the other side of the cross. We've trusted Christ. But yet we still want to live like all those people that don't believe in Christ. In fact, we doubt Christ. We, we don't worship him. We, we take our control of our own life. Or we try to please him our way instead of his way, biblical way. And he's saying to us, I'm, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. Now, you parents, you know what it's like. How, how many of you have had kids that they have sinned? And what does that do when they do something where they violated what you've asked them to do or they rebelled against you or they rebelled against your God and your value system? What does that do to you? Well, first of all, your flesh says, I must have failed as a parent. But at the same time, you hurt for that child. You know that when they're not on the same page with you, that there's a separation between you and them. And so you're hurt, and yet at the same time, you're kind of angry at the, that it's like this, because this is not happiness. This is not the way it's supposed to be. So you, you struggle between wrath and, and hurt and wanting to be right in your own flesh. But the difference between you and me is God. God's up over here, and he doesn't have to worry about flesh and sin and trying to balance it all out. He's just flat out hurt. But with his wrath, it's all a part of it. The second thing is that it no longer fits who we are. I really believe that the reason God is so much wanting us to change is we're not to be that way any longer. We uh, adopted two boys and we took in a girl that was sleeping in the church, sleeping in a bus when she was 17. And as she came to live with us, I knew that if we're ever going to make this thing really work with a kid that age that had so much baggage, that there had to be a new life. And so the first thing was Carol and I had to get on the same page of who's going to do what, who's going to have responsibility. So Carol says, all right, you're head of household biblically, so I'll support you. Just let me give you input. So we did. So we divided up. Carol would take care of the girly things. That This girl was, she looked like a jock, you know, just never wore, you know, girl clothes. Her hair was like a, a man, you know, and she didn't have a mustache, but, you know, she just looked not like a girl. If you saw her, you wouldn't think she was a girl, all right? So Carol says, I'm going to try to help her learn about what it means to, to uh, tap into the way God designed her as a, as a female, as a feminine. And so she said, I'll take, I'll take care of some of the things that she'll need to do to balance out on some household things and other things. And so she said to me, she said, you take care of helping her in her schoolwork, you take care of her spiritual world, and then you take care of the discipline. And I'll partner with you in this, but I'm going to... So we both had our game plan on this. So the girl came to live with us. The first thing we were going to do is to model true Christianity, a separated life. So we didn't do what the world did, but we didn't put the world down. We loved God with all of our heart. We had devotions and a lot of laughter. Our house rocked with laughter as much as we could laugh. I wanted her to be happier at the house than she was in the world. So we did all of that. But never a day were we missing the word. Every day she was in church. It wasn't one of these things, you go to church once. You just go to once. No, she, every day she had to be in church with us, had to be where we are. But when she was there, she was honored. We laughed. We made it fun. 
fun. I thanked her when she helped carry chairs like all the rest of you preacher kids. You know, it was just the same thing and it was joy. Now, we got into some issues. We made sure she was saved. She made it very clear that she was trusting in Christ alone for her salvation. And we were so celebrating that, but her still life had not totally changed. She was heading to a Christian camp like some of you kids will do or have done. I know what they do at a lot of camps. Not every camp, but a lot of camps. Somewhere in the middle, they give a dedication. You throw a log in the fire or whatever you do. That's your commitment. And I warned her about that. I said, you can throw all the logs in the fire you want, but it's not until there's a heart change and it's beyond the log. It's got to be that within you, that you are now fully surrendering to His Lordship, that He is the authority. He is the boss of your life. Not to get saved, but because you are saved and now you have the power to let Him take control of your life. You are full surrender to Him. But when you do that, I want you to know that because you trusted Christ and because you're surrendering to Him now, your life is never to be the same. So you count the cost. Now, on the other side, I sweeten the pot. I said, since your life is going to change and you're choosing to do that, that means on this side, you have what the world will never be able to give you, and that is the fullness of joy. That means that you're going to have power to do things. You're going to find purpose and meaning in your life. You're going to experience things that no other girls could experience except those who have fully surrendered to His Lordship. I'm going to tell you, your life is so much going to change that no matter how much sickness you go through, no matter how much rejection you experience, you will never, ever feel alone again. If you partner with God, you surrender to Him. But now, when you go to camp, it's all up to you. You tell me when you're ready what you did at camp. So she goes off to camp. She comes back from camp. Came back with a big smile and she said, Dad. I mean, right off, called us mom and dad. Dad, I want you to know that I fully gave my life to the Lord and He can do with it whatever He wants. I'm ready and I want to live a new life for Him as a way to say thanks. I said, okay. Now, let me fast forward this about five or six weeks. She's a teenager still, going to youth group. We were in a church that snowed horribly. And we had another youth leader that took the kids to youth group and then would bring them back to the house. When she came back to the house five or six weeks after camp, youth work, we're ending up and uh, she goes into the house and I knew something was wrong because she wears her feelings on her shoulders, you know, and she goes in. Wasn't mad, she was just kind of, you know, miffed, I guess. So she goes in and the, uh, the driver kind of goes like this to me and I'm thinking, uh-oh, I'm just, I, oh, I'm, I'm dying. You parents know exactly what I'm saying. You, what did they do? Steal something, shoot somebody, what happened, you know? So you go in there and she says, I want you to know you've got a really fine daughter. But today she kind of painted outside the lines. I said, what happened tonight? She said, what I was getting ready to go, I had to leave. The storm was coming. I had to get up the hill. I didn't know if I could do it with all the kids in the car because the streets were getting bad and all that. So she said, I asked her to get in. She didn't want to leave youth group. Now I'm having one of these, have a kid who doesn't want to leave youth group. I mean, is that bad? And, and some of you would fight and say, yeah, what's wrong with that? If you don't want to leave youth group, celebrate, you know. In my point, it's not about youth group. It's all about you working under authority. And any, if you can't work under authority now, you won't do it on the job. You won't do it in life. You won't do it in marriage. So you've got to learn how to work under authority, even if they're wrong. You've got to learn know how to play. So she went through this whole thing. She says, I'll take care of her. So I went up to her room and uh, the door was open. Carol's outside. It was cool, pure. And so I go up to her and I say, hey, Bev, <clears throat> how'd it go tonight? No, oh, it didn't go so good. Why? Oh, they were making me get in the car and I didn't want to go yet. We, we could have stayed there longer. We didn't have to go right now. You know, that kind of thing. You know how kids are, you know. I said, well, I know all that. And I said, what happened at camp? What do you mean what happened at camp? What would you do at camp? I surrendered my life to his lordship. I said, you did. Well, then God was telling you tonight that you've got to obey those that have the rule over you, especially when they weren't asking you to do something that was anti-biblical. They just said, get in the car, we need to go, there was a storm. She said, well, I don't know. 
And so I leaned over in her face. I never spanked her. I can't ever remember restricting her, but I did do this. I won't do this to you kids. I looked at her like this. And I'm not telling you this is how you do it with your kids. I'm just saying this is at the time I felt it was what we should do. I looked in her face. I didn't spit at her. I didn't yell at her. I didn't curse at her. I didn't lose my cool. I just looked at her and said, Bev, there is no dad on planet earth that will ever love you more than I love you. If you ever want to experience the wrath of dad, you do this again. This is as angry as you're ever going to see me. Do you feel real good right now? No, I don't. Then don't do this again. Okay? Okay. She never did. Never did. Now, will I tell you that there was a, a temporary challenge? Kids, she came to me and wanted to challenge something. And her challenge was more, Dad, should I do this or should I do that? And I would give her advice like you parents should do. And I hope you have an open relationship back and forth. I would give her my opinion. Now she's 18, 19, so she's beyond the little kid years. She's in that kind of tween years, all right? Uh, upper tween years, I guess. So um, my phrase to her was this after the second, ba- Dad, what about this? What about that? But I don't like that. What about that? I don't you get in there. I stopped right then and I said, you know what, Bev? I want you to know, <clears throat> here's the phrase. Write it down. I-Y-L. And she said, what does I-Y-L mean? Bev says, I, I am never going to scream at you. I'm never going to yell at you. Because if I have to use that as a motivation, then I, somewhere along the line there's a respect loss. I'll lose self-respect. You'll lose respect for me. I'm not going to get the point across. Or what I'll do is I'll sin manage you for a few minutes or for a day or two. But you didn't get the point. I will is simply this. Bev, I love you, but it's your life. If you choose not to take this advice, it's okay. It's your life. Remember, you will have to pay the consequences for taking or not taking the advice that's been given to you. Now, when you get the consequences, I promise that I'll always love you, but I will never read my lips. I will never read my lips. Read my lips. Pad your cell. You know what I mean by that? I'm not going to cushion the consequences that you have to go through, but I will always love you. So, IYL. Now, she's almost 30. And occasionally she'll call, and very rarely, but sometimes she'll, what do I do? Should I buy this car, get rid of that car? Should I buy, you know, this or that? And I'll say a couple times back and forth, and then she says, but I really want to do this. And I just smile, and I say, hey, Bev, I-Y-L. And you know what her response is? Oh, Dad. Now, why am I telling you all of that? It goes right back to this story right here. God says that when He deals in our life, if we fully surrender to His Lordship, then it makes our Christian growth a lot faster and a lot easier. Now let me speak to you Christian parents for just a moment. My opinion now. You can take it for what it's worth. My opinion. I think a lot of times when your kid trusts Christ as Savior, that you automatically assume that they've made Christ the Lord of their life and they're ready to really get hot for God. It might have been because they got a real momentary experience when they trusted Christ. Some of you, because you have so much loved them and orchestrated them into a Christian environment, whether it's homeschool or, or Christian school or youth group or something, that when they're experiencing a lot of churchy, religious, Christian religious things, that because they're involved in that, and maybe they even want to go to those things, that they have surrendered their life to Christ. I would like to suggest to you strongly that what you do is as much as you have personally led your child to the saving knowledge of Christ and you had a thorough, complete dialogue about that and there was a time that you could somehow have a spiritual birthday where they trusted Christ, just like you perhaps hopefully did that, I would like to urge you 
that you, dads to sons and moms to daughters and somehow whatever mix and works in your family, lead that child to an understanding of a full surrender to his lordship as a believer and somehow celebrate in some way that it happened here. But remember, here's the phrase, you can't do the things you used to do because you're not the kid you used to be. You can't do the things that the world did because you're not a worldly kid any longer. You're not a part of Satan's family. You're part of God's family. You're not a part of Satan's army. You're part of God's army. You can't do the things you used to do because you're not the same person you used to be. Now, some of you are really jamming at this. Forget about the kids yourself. Some of you still want to hang on to some of that stuff of the world there. And frankly, I'm going to tell you, it's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, certain stuff out there, worldly stuff. The Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season. And then the truck hits you, so to speak. So I do want you to know that's out there, but I have to tell you, don't sacrifice on this altar some of the little things of the world for what you could have with God. Give your whole heart to God right now. Seek first the kingdom of God. Let me end with number four, all right? Set aside the old and put on the new. Here it says, but now you must also put off all these. And I want to stop for a moment. Would you underline in your Bible, now, but now, because you're a new person, but now, not tomorrow, not at camp. Don't wait for a special message. Don't wait for an altar call. Do it while I'm preaching, but now. Then it says you, not your neighbor, not your parents, not your kid, not your mate, not somebody else, not your friend, but you, because you're going to stand alone before God, but you must, underline the word must, you must, not an option, you don't have choices, but you must also put off all these. Now circle the word all. There's a whole list of them there. Anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy language out of your mouth. Now I could build a whole sermon on each one of those words and all of that, and I'm not going to do that right now. Maybe if I had more time in Colossians, I would, but I want you to get the bigger picture. All that is important to get rid of, and there's a reason he chose that, and I also believe there's a reason it's in that order. But a part of all of that, it says, but now you must also put off all these. Then it says, don't lie to one another since you have put off the old man. Now continue in the phrase, continue in the verse. It says, and have put on the new man. In other words, get rid of the old because you've already put on a new man, this new man in Christ, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. It says here what we're to do. Growth in my life is a simple two-step process. Number one, take off the old. You do it when you trust Christ. And then you do it right now if you haven't done it as a believer in Christ. It happened positionally when you trusted Him. Now you need to do it practically. Put off. How do I know if I put off the old? The test is, are you thinking a new way? The way you'll know that you have put off the new life is that you now are focusing more on the Lord. Now, if you will, some of you are so kind that you're looking at this shirt when you saw me wear this. Some of you guests that are here that are island people. Some of you are seeing Primo. And you're saying, my, 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 that pastor thinks he is Mr. Great. He is primo. That, he's got, a, he's got a, a pride problem. Others of you are seeing another weird here. Did, can, what does that word right there say? Beer. Notice these kids. I don't know. I've got to preach more to you guys. Beer. They said it loud. So I got primo beer. Now, really, that was a very famous, popular, very popular beer on the island. But for whatever reason, it kind of went off by way of, you know, the old days. I understand that they're bringing it back again. I wore this shirt because I want to take it off for you, okay? Now, don't worry, parents. I, I do have another th- shirt underneath, okay? 
But I want to take this off for a minute. It's going to be weird because I got this weird microphone on me and I'm still trying to work on this. But I wore this because it's going to represent the old lifestyle. Now, some of you are going to think, you know, beer, what's wrong with beer? Well, I'm not here to preach against beer. There's a lot of guys that can do that. I will just tell you this. It fits this illustration perfectly because alcohol, like other chemicals, will affect your thinking process. So anything that affects your thinking that will moderate it or muffle it or ruin it of your thoughts about Christ, whatever that might be, whatever it is to you, it is wrong. If it begins to control you or to hinder you from having a clear focus on the Lord, it's wrong. So beer is one of them. There's many. It just happens to be a beer shirt that I'm wearing right here. Those of you who are listening. So I'm taking this beer shirt off. Now, I'm choosing to take this off. That's the important part of the passage. It says that we need to put it off. We need to set our mind. Do you know your Christian growth depends on you and you alone? You can put yourself in a spiritual hothouse. You can have all the right people around you. But still, you've got to make the choice. You've got to take off and put on. So I'm going to try to take this shirt off for a moment. Now, w- w- watch. It says to take off malice and all this bad stuff. Notice, it's one button could represent each one of those sins. But in reality, the context is talking about take off the old man a button at a time. There's probably a hundred different buttons, but that particular context just had a few. But the bigger picture is you're taking off the entire shirt. You've got to take off. The, and some of you, you're going to say, okay, I mean, I'll do one button. I'll, take, I'll stop that sin. And, but the other one, I'll wait a while. I don't have enough power yet. I don't have enough, uh, you know, um, desire. I'm not ready yet. You know, I'm not, you know, come someday. When it, when God will have to take it away from me kind of thing. And we do one button at a time. And it finally, the problem is, the longer we wait to get these buttons off, they have a way of rebuttoning themselves. You know what I'm saying? They start to rebutton themselves. And he wants to take off every one of these buttons of this thing here. He wants to take them all off. Now, I'm going to take this shirt off. Okay, I, I, I know this big flex steel chest is about ready to pop out. Put this back on. They're still working on these microphones here. I don't know, but we're going to still put it back on. Now, I will tell you, I didn't like wearing that shirt. Okay, let's say it's on me. I don't like wearing the shirt. I have to take it off. I had some rigmarole with this microphone setup. I had to do it. It's a little embarrassing. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I finally get it off. Now, some of you, some of you, you will do that. And you'll so celebrate out of getting rid of all the bad stuff in your life, almost like legalism. I shed all that legalism stuff. I got it all off of me, all the sins that are off of me. Scripture implies through other passages that if you cast out some demons, if you don't add the right into your life, more will come back. So I could take this off now and all of a sudden it's off, but I'm still not where God wants me. I got this part. It's a two-step process. All of a sudden I could now put on a whole lot worse on my life. And so he says, yes, shed the bad, put off the old. But he also says to put on the new. So now I've got this part done, and it took me a couple moments to do it. Some of your sins, it's going to take a little while. Your mind will tell you to do it. You're going to put it here, get rid of it. But it's going to be a little bit of a process with you. But stay in process, stay in progress. Now I'm going to put this shirt on. This is no fancy shirt. I don't care, got a garage sale or somewhere. But it's a shirt, and it looks okay. And I think I look better in it. If I was to meet, Someone that's in your family. Would you rather have them meet me with a beer shirt or this shirt? Thank you. You'd rather have me with this shirt. Now, I said that to say that notice what I'm doing now. I'm buttoning this shirt. That means some of you, you're going to have to put on, on some new life, some new thinking. And the passage talks about that. And especially in two weeks, we're going to talk about what are the good we need to put into our life as well. So it's a two-part passage. But I'm putting it all on. But I don't quit, folks. You, can you imagine how weird I would look if I was like this? And I walked around with just like that. Or how about a button here or a button up there? 
So what tells me the right way to do it is going to be the Word of God. Now, I could take this illustration and keep going with it all that you want, but the point of the matter is you have to put off the old, put on the new. What is the old you put off? There's a beginning list here. There's another list in the passage. What do you put on? The list continues to grow. It keeps growing. The point is you want to continue to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. Let me just uh, give you one other thought and then we'll end with this. There are some of you that you have a couple choices. Sometimes sin is on the outside trying to get into your life. The temptations are coming at you. Listen, listen. Is it easier to say no to the sin that's coming to you or is it easier to get the sin that's inside of you and try to take it out of you? It's a lot easier when the sin is knocking on your door to say, I ain't answering that thing. Then it is to say, once the sin is there, you're trying to chuck that baby out. Now, those of you that are dealing with other kind of vices that are hindering you on the inside, you're trying to stop your smoking or stop, stop your drinking or whatever. I'm just using those two. But it's a whole lot more. It could be anger and malice and lying and deceitfulness and lust. You've got that already inside of you. You're struggling big time to get it out. My promise to you on the power of God's Word and His Spirit, you can still do that. But, you young people, don't say, I want to experience it first. Once I've got it, then I'll know how bad it is and I'll get rid of it. It's a lot harder to get the bad out than it is to keep the bad out in your life. Remember that illustration as long as you possibly can. If I have a burglar, I'd rather keep him out. But once he's in the house and he's doing some major damage there... I'm going to tell you, it's very hard to get them out. Can you do it? Yes, there's always hope for all of you that may have already that sin in your heart. But I want you to deal with it. Let let me give you the last verse, because this verse really is so special. And we'll end with this. Then it says, Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. This verse is now telling you that no matter what the background culture that you have... Whether you happen to be, and we'll we'll use the first one, which could be more of a a religious background. Whether you're a Greek background or whether you're a Jewish background, circumcised or uncircumcised, whether you're Gentile or Jew, basically. No matter what your religious background is, broaden it. Whether you come from a Mormon background, a Roman Catholic background, or 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 a Methodist background, any background that's outside the faith. No matter what your background is, I want you to know you still can put off the old and put on the new. Some of you say, I have no religious background. I have no type of religious uh, preference in the background. But maybe you have a cultural issue. And in this case, you're going to see these guys, the name are barbarians and Scythians. I wish I could tell you about them, but these barbarians were so wicked and so bad that they didn't have a name for them, but they used to stutter because they had poor grammar, no academics. They were just kind of street, angry, ugly people that they used a word, blah, 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 and they turned it into a regular word called barbarian, barbarian, and that became a word. Scythian, it was a little bit more identified. It was a group of people that were so ruthless, so depraved, that when they conquered their enemy, they would kill their enemy, chop off their head, drink the blood of the first person they kill, cut their skull in half, eat food out of their skull, use the scalp to wipe their face. with. It was horrible what these people did. And yet God said they could get a new life because he says no matter what kind of person they are in the church at Colossae, they are all in all in Christ. It's no longer what your past is. It's everything about what your future is in Christ. And that's the beauty of it. But it's not just about that. It goes a little bit further. It also talks about whether you're a slave or whether you're a free person. So once you're in Christ, you can shed all that past and you can come together as new. And this is where it brings our church. I love the name of our church, International. We're international in culture. We're international in race. We're we're uh, international perhaps in backgrounds of belief systems. 
And there are sometimes international, some of you are business people, and some of you are more of the, uh, the, the, the blue collar, the person doesn't own a business, maybe the employee level. But what makes us so great is we have chosen to shed all the, here it is, here it is, barriers. And remember, we are all one now in Christ, and we want to have a new life together and be a lighthouse to the community for Christ. What a beautiful statement when there were two Christians. One was Perpetua and the other was Felicitas. Perpetua was a slave. Felicitas was free. They both were being executed by wild animals. And as they were, as Christians, they stood before the beast and before all the people in the Colosseum. I've got two sources on this. I'm not making this story up. They held hands as a free person and as a slave. But what brought them together was Christ. And as those savage beasts mauled them to death, they died in Christ together. Why? Because whatever the other other barriers would be, there was no barrier in Christ. And so for you, no matter what your background is, don't worry about it. In Christ, you're accepted in the Beloved One because now you together with us and millions of other believers you can have a new life in Christ. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.